0: Business is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. The world of work has changed so much that it seems kind of pointless to mention it, except a lot of the HR processes and approaches employers and employees use have not changed. With the rise of the gig economy, people changing careers, new ways of working and a growing understanding of the value of people bringing their whole selves to work, the traditional approach of a strict job description, set hours and a once yearly review are quite out of date, yet often still being used. One company out to change that is Fuel50, founded by Joe Mills and Anne Fulton, Kiwis working to help some of the biggest US companies with their people strategy. Their AI-powered software allows for all the permutations of shifting projects, personnel and interests, matching up people to work and creating new ways to allow managers and team members to shape their careers and lives in the best way for all. They're right at the front of a lot of the conversations you might have heard about agile working and work-life balance and all of the good new things, and to discuss the future of work Making it in the US from New Zealand and an upcoming spot on Southern SAS, the excellent SAS conference for local stars, co-founder Joe Mills joins us now. Kia ora, thank you for being here.
1: You're more than welcome, excited to be here. Hey, um,
0: first up, tell us, how was it you came to co-found Fuel50 and what
1: were you up to then? So Anne and I came together around a passion for creating amazing workplaces. So we'd worked together for a number of years with an organisational psychology and career coaching business, and our software had been developed to support that particular practice. But we're sitting around having a bit of a think about the impact we wanted to make on the world. And for us, it's really around helping people to fulfil their potential at work and for organisations to also fulfil their potential by having amazing people who are aligned to the roles within their organisation and delivering great value.
0: And so how did that find its way into the new software platform?
1: Yeah, so we started out working with organisations in New Zealand and the platform had evolved to a certain degree as part of that work that we were doing. But what we noticed is that while we were impacting the lives of a few, we weren't able to reach the many. And we'd started looking at what was happening overseas with HR technology and software and saw a real gap in the market of the fact that people weren't connecting individuals, their hopes, their dreams, their aspirations and their talents in a meaningful way to what was happening at work. And so we saw a real gap in the market and an opportunity to fulfil that through our Fuel50 software.
0: Yeah, what, what does a traditional approach or like how would, um, yeah, what would the status quo have been when you came to start
1: building that? Yeah, so HR software originally was quite traditional in its approach in that it was very much a top-down model. So what I mean by that is that it was designed for the CEO, for HR leadership, and it was kind of something that was imposed on people. So you'd go to work and you might be able to access some sort of HR platform, but it very much felt like something that was being done to you and that was all about process and policy. We saw a second wave um, about 10 years ago, which was more around taking those processes and, and putting a bit of wizardry around it, making it a little bit more fun, but still very much about what can the software do for the business, not necessarily about what the software can do for the people. And what we've done is we've taken it, a little bit further and started thinking about how do we make the employee experience the most valuable piece of that of that software and we've designed feel 50 with the employee in mind so very much around the employee experience and this has been seen in other um, hr softwares that we see all about recruitment and performance and, and other kinds of hr technologies it's all about the employee experience now and, and how do we capture the hearts and minds of people in our workplace and make the workplace the best place possible for them so that they keep coming back yeah, wow. How, how does
0: that kind of practically come together? Because I, I guess a lot of people would have experience of um, logging into a work HR system and it just tells them how many sick days they've got are uh, still owing or um, tells them when their next kind of yearly review is. But it's pretty kind of static, I guess.
1: Yeah, and that's pretty boring. I mean, who wants to log into a platform that is just really giving you information that you know could be delivered in pen and paper in, in the same way? Um, The digitisation of it just makes it more accessible but not more interesting. So what we've done with our platform is we've really got to the heart of why people come to work, what their career drivers are, what are their talents, what are their aspirations. And we've designed the software to create an engaging experience which helps people to uncover those attributes and articulate them back to the business. And then the leader and the HR piece that we've also designed is really all about how do we make and um, surface, you know, those capabilities and talents in a powerful way back to the organisation. So we come at it from three different angles. We look at the employee experience, the leader and the HR, but it's all designed to create a better place to work for everybody.
0: Right. So you actually kind of ask people, what do you love about work and what ways do you um, best work and... Uh, what what would you like to do next or are there any other things, like like questions like that?
1: Yeah, so it's a gamified experience. So when you come into the platform, the magic of AI means that you're attributed with a range of capabilities that we believe that you'll have based on your current role. So there's a cool AI engine that runs in the background that means that when you log into the platform, you're presented with a range of activities and opportunities that are personalised to you. And then through a series of fun activities, you get to further refine your profile, which in turn means that the opportunities presented to you are more targeted and more accurate, which inspires you to add more data and personalise them further. So it's a beautiful gain spiral. The more you put into the platform, the better the recommendations that come out. But one of the key premises and philosophies within the platform is that we really want people to feel better about themselves after they've used it. So we want people to see that they're really unique, that they've got unique talents, that they've got a special set of skills, which nobody else has in exactly the same way, and that they can market that internally to their business for more opportunities and growth.
0: Right. So, and this is aimed at kind of like, I guess it becomes the most powerful when the organisations are bigger and might have a range of jobs and a range of personnel and you know, maybe you have, like, customer success agents or something, but there'd be wildly different people all in that one role. And so to find out kind of what shaped pegs they are, there might be um, peg holes <laughs> shaped yeah. like them elsewhere, to stretch the analogy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's an yeah. interesting analogy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to repeat it, but um, it's an interesting one. Yeah. But you're right. So what we do is we come back to the individual. So it's not just about what role you're in, it's about all of the special things you bring to the role. So you and I might be in the same job um, right now, but if we enter in a particular aspirational role that we want to get to, you and I will both be showed quite different journeys and steps to get there because we've got a different makeup of skills and, and abilities that we've previously added into the platform. So it's very personalised to ourselves. And what it also does is help people to see that I don't have to follow a set path, that there's multitudes of ways that I can get to my destination and I can apply my own um, special interest to make it my own and to get there in my own way.
0: I guess that with big companies, with new ways of working, um, agile ways of working and Mm -hmm. the like, there may be more kind of like project-based work as well rather than, Uh, An old fashioned approach where perhaps you you just have a very strict kind of hierarchical path or don't climb the ladder, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, do or don't climb the ladder in in your one department or the like. How How does this help that happen?
1: So we've built a very cool gig marketplace for our clients. So within an organisation, you are presented with a range of short-term or medium-term projects or opportunities that you can um, do from within your current role. So it enables people to have experiential learning right across the business, build networks, contribute to projects that they might not otherwise have access to. And this is really important for organisations because it helps to share talent across the business. It means that you've got that shared knowledge and transferable skills happening, but it also means you're able to source talent from important projects from within your own internal marketplace. And you're right; the bigger the company, the bigger the company, the bigger the pain point. Sometimes, so bigger companies really do um, need these kind of. Um, Tools and technologies to enable them to redeploy their talent and right across the organisation. It's very difficult to do manually.
0: Yeah, and how do you? um, Because I imagine, like you know, uh, some people's view of their own skills and abilities um, (laughs) may not entirely match uh, uh, reality. How do you? How do you manage to balance that out and get the kind of the manager's perspective or the company's perspective on um, their relative uh, skills and? likelihood of being good in other jobs?
1: Yeah, so people have an opportunity to self-assess within Fuel50, so they get to uh, rate their own proficiency level, and we give them a scale which helps them to do that in a fairly realistic way. They can then crowdsource validation, so they can go out to the marketplace and ask peers or managers or direct reports, or people they've worked on projects with, to then validate that rating and to tell them, yep, we think you're at this proficiency level, we think you're higher, we think you're lower. And so there's a real nice way to crowdsource that validation, which means that you can have confidence around your own particular capability, but you can also have confidence in other people's capability when they're recommended to you for, for your own projects.
0: Yeah, and that kind of 360-ish uh, evaluation is is a really good tool as well, isn't it, for manages to help in, people in their team um, uh, yeah, have learning moments.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is a really good technique to help yep. people to learn and grow. And it's also a beautiful way to give people access to those learning moments. Mm-hmm. So too often... Um, in organisations, you can feel a bit siloed, perhaps you don't have the networks or don't have the opportunity to ask people what they think. Mm. So having a, an accessible way to get that 360 feedback is really important to, to democratise the employee marketplace and help people get the feedback they need to be successful.
0: So who, who are some of the companies you're working with at the moment?
1: So we've had some really good success in the US, and um, we typically focus in on a few different areas. So we work with um, large financial services companies, big ph- big um, um, biotech, um, um, pharmaceutical, and um, financial services. So those are kind of our main sectors, and um, we've worked with some of um, you know the. Um, the top companies globally, um, and those include businesses such as um, Ingersoll Rand. We've worked with um, you know tech companies like eBay. Um, we work with indeed who's a, um, a global uh, recruitment marketplace, um, um, you know Vanguard and you know there's, there's many, many companies that we've had the opportunity to work with. But they all come to us for the same reason. So they really want to help their people find a future within their organisation. So helping people connect the dots for who they are and where they can go within that business. Help leaders be better leaders. So a real focus on developing leader capability and helping those leaders have better career conversations. And the most important um, trend at the moment that we've seen in this pandemic era is understanding the talents of your workforce. So... Right now, it's becoming more about how do we deploy those talents in ways that we might not have had, had to do before? How do we help our organisation come out of this tomorrow and be more successful? Or how do we respond to increased need that we have for certain areas of our business, while other areas perhaps aren't um, so busy? So that talent view is becoming increasingly important for all of those types of organisations.
0: If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. Check it out through the spin-off.
1: Kia ora, I'm Sophie. I'm Simon. And I'm Alice. And together we host the spinoff's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape. From the gourmet. Ooh la la. To your more hearty tucker. Onion dip, anyone? Everything's on the table in Dietary Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your favourite podcasts.
0: Do you, how do you go about with, like, like I mean, um, the, there's a real growing kind of um, movement around HR tech and mm-hmm. the like. But, yeah, how do you go with um, a new kind of approach and, and sell that into these big companies and get them to adopt these new technologies and to do it from a New Zealand home base?
1: Yeah, it's been super fun, actually. And I don't know that we knew quite what we were getting into when we started, but there's been a few things that I think... Um, have helped us acquire customers offshore. And I think it comes down to a few things. So one is, um, you know, having a real unique selling um, proposition. So being very, very sure about what difference you can make with your software and why your approach is going to be better than others. So having a really unique way um, that you're going to approach a common problem. I think secondly is um, targeting customers that... Um, have a real pain point which you can solve. So for us, that's been around the talent marketplace. How do we help organisations understand their talent, and retain great people? And we've got a you know beautiful proposition that delivers to that. And then I think um, what we've learned along the way is that um, we do things a little bit differently in that you know we've got such a high level of standard around our service and our customer care. And that's come out time and time again in terms of our references and our referrals is that um, desire to make a difference to our customers and be a true partner has been quite a differentiator and something quite unique. And I, I don't know if that's a Kiwi thing, but it certainly feels like it sometimes. Yeah, and what does it
0: take? As you've had a couple of really amazing um, funding rounds, you, you know, um, 14 million one round and 2 million another and the like. Like, what does it actually take to build out a platform that companies, you know, being in New Zealand, even the scale of some of these companies you're working with is so wild uh, compared to the scale of things here. Mm-hmm. Building a solution that will fit that scale and also things like incorporating AI uh, in, in, in the program.
1: Yeah, so I think there's been a few things that have been a real advantage coming from New Zealand. So one is the amazing people talent that we have in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So we've got a very um, hardworking and um, incredibly skilled engineering team in New Zealand. So all of our R&D is done here. And um, I, th- I think that has really stood us in good stead. It's, a, it's been a very effective team. Um, They work very closely together um, in one office and that's really allowed us to um, work really, really fast and to scale quite quickly. Um, So building out that team has been really critical and obviously that takes cash and funding. Um, We've had a very um, strong implementation and customer success team. As I mentioned before, one of our differentiators is the level of service and partnership approach that we apply to our new customers. And then building out our sales team in in the US has been um, critical to securing those customers, so those feet on the ground has been really, really important. So that funding has really supported us to build a foundation of staff that have allowed us to get those next level customers. Um, our marketing um, team is also based in New Zealand, and um, you know, very innovative and effective in terms of thought leadership, marketing, and um, putting us in a place of. Um, of of an expert status and that recognition. And I think that's been really important in terms of opening doors for us with some of our key HR contacts. Mm.
0: Because you're leading a lot of these conversations, aren't you, through uh, some of your your marketing outreach and the work on um, panels and and in thought leadership and the like, Um, taking positions on things like it's time for companies to take responsibility for the work-life balance of their employees, which is such a cool position to to, to be saying. Tell, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, both Anne and I um, have a point of view on a number of topics, but as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons that we've come together is really to create a better workplace for people, and work-life balance you know, is, is part of that. And it's become even more critical with people working more and more from home You know, we're a little bit sheltered in New Zealand in Mm -hmm. that, you know, you and I are in the same room and um, we get to go to work and see our colleagues. But the majority of our customers offshore, all of their teams are still working from home and will be for the foreseeable future. So that really creates a different um, challenge around work-life balance than we've had before. So the commute's gone, but the accessibility of you as an employee has has increased and you've got your colleagues coming into your home via Zoom calls. So lots of challenges there about how do we protect and keep people um, happy and safe in their work, even when the boundaries of work are shifting dramatically.
0: Yeah, and, and to take a viewpoint that it's up to companies to maybe help set some of those um, boundaries is... Uh, companies have maybe benefited a bit from the fact that emails go home with people and work uh, lives on the same phone as their social life, and so it's very blurry.
1: Yeah, we've we've always had a point of view that the organisation has a social responsibility to their people. So, you know, right out of, um, you know, the, the global financial crisis, when we saw a lot of redundancy um, occurring, um, people's roles being disestablished and so on. And, you know, what we witnessed there was that there was a number of people who hadn't been upskilled or reskilled. And, you know, it was a real shock when when things changed. And for us, you know, we've worked really hard to make sure that people are given the opportunities they need to continue to grow and be successful, whatever that means to that person within their career. And for us, it's, you know, part of the organisation's responsibility to make that available to people. And work-life balance falls into that same philosophy. Mm. You know, we think if you're going to employ people, you know, it's really important that you obviously take care of them.
0: Mm. Yeah and and that idea also as you mentioned before about just how affected so much of uh the outside world how lucky we are uh, here at the moment um how, what's that meaning for your business and and how how have you been responding to that
1: Yeah it's been really really interesting uh, one of the first questions we got sort of in April was well how do we how are we going to deploy or implement the you know fuel 50 you know when you can't be on site, and we're like, mm, actually, we're kind of it's not that we're just on site, we're, we're on the other side of the world, and we have been this whole time. So, we'd already set up our business to be one that could service clients remotely. And so, when you know things changed, our business wasn't impacted in terms of our business models or how we worked, we'd already kind of compensated for being on the other side of the world through a lot of our um, systems and processes. But what we've seen for our clients is really um, a new. Um, desire to redeploy talent um, to make sure that they can find people for opportunities that they have and that where parts of their business are slowing down, they can redeploy those people very quickly to parts that are that are ramping up. So it might be a retail business that is moving people into the manufacturing or distribution um, areas of the organisation. So we're seeing lots and lots of that. Um, we're also oh, yeah, seeing... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. sorry, just, think, just thinking about that. It must be Enormous when you have thousands of employees and you have a whole line of people involved in something that just stops.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of disruption, and it's not just about putting people into new opportunities within your organisation. It's also about how do you recreate the culture that you've been working really hard to to establish. So if your culture is based on um, you know massive organisations where you have like a chef on site, I mean a lot of these companies have you know. Um, four chefs, for um, coffee people and, you know, people coming to um, the gym and they've got masseuses, on, you know, there's amazing kind of businesses. But once you put people at home, how do you create that feeling of, um, of um, camaraderie and a sense of culture? So organisations are also using our software for collaboration, you know, helping leaders get to know their people, connecting people with mentors, connecting people with uh, learning, so really helping people figure out how they can still be part of this amazing business and be part of a team.
0: And you've set this up as a uh, as having a SaaS component to it. You know, software as a service component, and I guess that has a couple of um, purposes. In that, you get monthly billing as opposed to just you know selling in a consultancy and then um, not getting paid anymore. But also having it as software means that it's part of the plumbing of how the organization. Mm works as well, hey?
1: Yeah, so we're plugged in um, to all of the different um, other softwares, so their payroll software we're plugged into, we're plugged into their recruitment software, and we all feed each other data back and forth, so it is part of a kind of an ecosystem for an organisation, And they think very carefully about who they plug into that ecosystem because you have to offer something that's quite different from all of the other players. And that's where our real focus around um, career development, talent management, um, and that talent experience offers something that those other pieces of the ecosystem haven't been able to deliver. And that employee experience is really a key part of that.
0: And as a local SaaS player, um, you're going to be as part of a panel for... Uh, Southern SAS that's coming up. Tell us about that, that panel and about kind of, yeah, I guess, um, what's it like to be part of the, the local SAS ecosystem? Because we, we certainly punch above our weight from New Zealand in that sense.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. So I'm very um, excited about attending a number of the sessions myself on the Southern SAS. So um, lots of amazing people coming along to share their stories. What I think particularly exciting about the New Zealand SaaS community is um, how generous Um, everybody is with their knowledge and their expertise so we've had a number of mentors um, along the way that have really supported us to build our business and I'm actually sharing the panel with Mike Cardin who was one of our early mentors Um, we followed his business Sonar 6 into the States and he provided us a lot of ideas and um, brainstorming with him as we entered into that market so very cool to be on a panel with him. But I think it really is that collaboration, that ability to network, find people to talk to, and I'm looking forward to coming away with a number of new people that I'm going to hit up for advice and suggestions um, from the panels that I attend as well. That's so
0: cool. And yeah, what advice would you have for someone who is a domain expert and does kind of see um, an evolving need? You know, like, did people tell you that it couldn't be done to kind of like be the, the software of choice for these Fortune 500 uh, companies, and yeah, you know, what advice do you have for for people who who do want to try and uh, make make really specialist software and, and sell it to the world?
1: I mean, it still blows my mind. We just um, signed a deal with Mattel, um, mm. you know, the makers of Barbie, and yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to think that they're looking at a New Zealand company to support them with. Very strategic business needs that will help their business to be successful because the talent you have in the organization is really your differentiator for your ability to reach your business goals. So that still blows my mind that these large, you know, massive brands, which are familiar to us from our childhood, um, are coming to us and, and purchasing our Fuel 50 experience. But I think, you know, what um, I guess in terms of advice. Advice, I think, was the question. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, somewhere trends. in
0: there, there was a, there was a question in there somewhere.
1: Um, I think, for, for an expert who's really looking to um, to take that next step and do something with their expertise, I mean, software is an amazing place, amazing way to kind of magnify and amplify your impact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while as a as a subject matter expert, you might be able to deliver your expertise to a handful of people, software allows you to touch millions and millions of people um, through. Um, through your technology. And I think that's what's really exciting for me is the knowledge that I might not know the end user at um, CVS who's using our product, but I do know that the product that we've developed is going to help them articulate their skills and help them to feel really confident about who they are as an individual and the value they bring to work. Yeah, and pretty
0: cool to be able to help people have you know meaningfully better experiences <laughs> Uh, as employees know what their career um, projection could be and, and help to kind of shape it towards their own goal because you know, people spend a lot of time in their lives at work, don't they?
1: Yeah, you spend um, I think it's like 80,000 hours or something at work so it might as well be something that you enjoy and we're very lucky in that in um, you know many of our lives and in, in, in the Western world we actually have a bit of choice so not everybody has choice about where they work and what they do but where you do it's almost like a personal responsibility to choose to work somewhere that you can add value and for organisations when they're employing folk um, once again it's a responsibility for them to make sure that they're leveraging people's talents and and making the most of of the great people they've got and enabling them to be their best selves
0: and as a final thought what will success be for you and for Feel50?
1: So success for Fuel50 comes in a few different ways. So one is around the impact we have on organisations. So we're always looking for proof that we're making a difference. And that proof comes from individuals saying that they saw an opportunity that they might not have had access to before, that they feel proud of who who they are and their skills, through to organisations being able to um, reach their organisational goals and retain great talent for their future success. From a personal perspective, success is really about um, the impact on business, but also the impact for our own team. So we've been really proud to have amazing folk join the Fuel50 family, and it's been really exciting to see how their jobs have evolved within our business as the organisation has grown. So I think uh, it's really around amplifying our impact, so however we do that will be a great success, and then also seeing our own team members maximise their own success at work as well.
0: That's so cool. I can't wait to see where you take it next. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's Joe Mills, co-founder at Feel50. Pleasure. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you so much to Tina Tiller for producing. Uh, and thank you so much for having us along in your ears. Cheers. You have been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan
1: Innovation.
0: from the spin-off podcast network that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz.
1: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment?